Thank you for listening to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Star Strength and Conditioning. We believe that by creating positive habits in sleep, mindset, nutrition, relationships, movement, mobility, and training, you have the ability to become better than yesterday. Hey everyone, Paul here from Stark Strength and Conditioning, Stark CrossFit, and I'm here with Jill Bachinski. Good one. Good one. You remember from last time. I remembered, and uh, we're doing a podcast. Jill had asked about uh, interviewing me, so this one's going to be called Everything You Wanted to Know About the Dick and Some Things You Didn't. Exactly. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. So. I, thought, I thought people should know your story, Paul. Okay. So... Start from the beginning. <laughs> Start from the very, well, it was a Wednesday morning, August 27th, 1980. It's so close to being a Leo. Yeah. No, but not. Still a Virgo. It's all good. Yeah. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. With what? With, with, what? Your, with your life. Let's just kind of talk through until we get to your, <laughs> the biggest moment of your life. Okay. Just kidding. All let's right. start from the beginning. So you're born and raised in Winnipeg. Born and raised in Winnipeg, yep. You have siblings? I got three younger brothers. They're great. So you're the oldest? Yep. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed Shane. that. Really? No. Okay. I would yep. have thought you were a middle child. No, nope. I'm the oldest. Oh, you're uh, your poor parents. Yeah. Four, four boys. Yeah. So what was that like growing up? It was good. Like, we didn't... I don't think we fought a lot, and a lot of kids say that they fight with their siblings a whole lot, and I, I don't think we did. Um, you know, we have some disagreements here and there, but... Are you close in age? Um, yeah, we're fairly close. Actually, well, my youngest brother's 12 years younger than me, so we're not that close like Shane and I, but Calby's uh, 18 months younger than me. Lyndon is, what is he now, five years younger? Something so like you're all pretty close in age then. So yeah, growing up, you kind of kept each other company and yeah. kept each other in trouble? Definitely. No, we, we did a lot together, like played soccer together, went out biking and just like did like street hockey, summer, winter, all that kind of fun stuff. So that was kind of nice that, you know, we, we hung out with, with each other and a lot of our friends were on the same street and stuff like that. And we, we were outside a lot, which was nice. And that was, you weren't on your phones because you probably didn't have phones back then? No. We you had to make your own entertainment? Yeah. No, like in winter it was building snow forts and like just going out and skating and doing stuff like our parents took us out tobogganing and all that fun stuff so that was kind of it was nice being out and it's I noticed driving around now you don't see kids like I don't remember the last time I saw a street hockey game going on anywhere and um, people have kind of lost how to play yeah it's kind of sad so you know if if people kids are just looking at their iPads and their phones and stuff like that they're they're limiting themselves big time and just not using, you know, their imagination and creativity and stuff like that. So you were always active growing up? Yeah, always doing something. So Organized sports or play or? A um, little bit of both. Started off with like soccer was probably, like mini soccer was probably the first thing I did um, that was organized and stuck with that for about 10 years. And then um, got into got into biking, mountain biking. Um, mountain biking racing. in Manitoba. Yeah. Where did where did you go? Maybe it's called hill biking here. <laughs> but um, speed bump biking. Yeah, uh, did like some mountain bike racing. Got into motocross, dirt biking, and stuff like that. Um, and did you grow up in the city? Yeah. Okay. So where did you where did you motocross? 
Um, anytime we could get out to any tracks, trails, or anything like that, outside of the city, we would drive to Steinbach, we would drive to St. Anne's, we would drive, like, wherever. We and it was could. a family thing? Did your brothers do it as well? Mm -hmm. My brothers were into it as well. Parents were not as supportive of it. Um, yeah, they weren't super crazy about it, but... Just because of the danger, the risk factor? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so that takes us to... <laughs> yeah. The first big experience of your life, kind of defining moment, perhaps, Maybe. when you were when you were sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. Got into uh, an accident on uh, my dirt bike. I was actually getting rid of it that night, and you were uh, giving it up. Yeah, giving it up, and uh, I went. You know. So now whenever I say, like, oh, I'll just do one more run, one more time, or whatever, it's like, ah, maybe I won't. So whether that's... Why like, were you going to give it up? Um, just friends were getting out of it, and it just wasn't as wasn't as much fun going and, like, just riding on your own than, than it is with a group. Usually with a group, you're a bit more competitive, and, you know, you push yourself a bit more, just like in the gym here. And, um, yeah, it just seemed like it was sort of dying off a little bit, and people were moving away and just sort of dropping it. And, um, so you were looking for other opportunities to do other things. Yeah. So So tell us about that last ride. <laughs> so I uh, was out racing around. It wasn't too far from home. And, Are uh, you by yourself? Nope. I had uh, one of my brothers was there with me, Lyndon. And um, he, so he had come out. And we were just basically tearing around in the field. There were a bunch of other guys there, too, uh, hitting hitting jumps and stuff like that. And I was doing some stuff that I just normally would, but maybe a little bit faster and a little more aggressive. Because? Because uh, it was the last time. Right. Of course. <laughs> okay. And you were a 16-year-old boy. Yep. And um, so I ended up hitting this, this jump that I was questioning if I should the first time. So I hit it. I landed it. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I can do this again. And the second time I ended up hitting it, uh, the back end of my bike kicked up. And I remember just like flying through the air as the back end was coming up. And I was going like head first towards the ground. And for people that aren't into dirt biking, what kind of gear do you wear? You wear a helmet. You wear a chest protector. You wear like uh, pants that are a little bit thicker. Like it's a thick nylon. Um, there's some protection on there too. You wear boots that are like mid-shin height, so maybe a little bit higher. So you're wearing all that, all that gear, protective gear. Um, so I remember flying through the air, and um, I was looking at the, the ground thinking, oh, shit, this is going to hurt before I hit. It's that so you slow knew, motion. you knew yeah. flying through the air. It's that slow motion thing where you're like, you don't know what's going to happen. And um, So did you go flying off the front of the handlebars? Over the handlebars, yeah. yeah. And you're let go of your bike. Yeah. So I remember the bike flying by me. I could hear it just like flying by and like cartwheeling. And I was rolling. And I just remember my visor hitting the ground. So like the visor is like of a hat. So that hit the ground. And I just started rolling. And I stopped. And I was laying there. So you were like un out of control rolling? or could, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I could not control that. How fast would you have been going when you hit the jump? 50, 60 kilometers an hour, give or, eh, probably 50. Wow. And, um, yeah, so I stopped rolling, and the bottom of my right boot was under resting under my chin. And so, you're not that flexible. No. So my, my femur snapped, so the femur is the bone that's basically between your knee and your hip, and uh, it's the hardest bone in the body to break, so I broke it. Yay. 
and uh, the bottom of my shoe was just resting under my chin, and I kind of like grabbed. So my could you leg. see your leg? I I was in shock right away. I wasn't in pain. I was in shock, and I could see like something sticking out from my leg, and I didn't I didn't realize it was my bone. So my femur was sticking out six inches from my from my leg. But you could see your bone, but you yeah. didn't. Okay. But it didn't like I didn't really process it. It was just like. You know, um, like this isn't good. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> mom's gonna kill me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I. Um, so yeah, I was just like laying there, and but you were conscious. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you didn't conscious. hit your head. I, I did, but I don't like. I don't know exactly how I hit and felt. Like back then, like if somebody had a cell phone, that was pretty incredible. Versus like now, everyone's right. got a phone and right. a camera. Right. Right. So. So did anyone that was with you see it? Oh yeah, there was like a bunch of bunch of guys that came running up. My brother came running up, um, and then uh, yeah, I was just laying there. I had flipped my my was leg there, back over. Was there blood? Oh yeah, so I felt. I didn't know it was blood though. Like um, I thought it was. I thought I felt like ants or something running down the back of my leg. And the same. So which leg was it? Right leg. Okay. So and it was actually like blood coming out from the the hole in my leg and I just thought it was you're in shock you don't feel anything and um so I thought it was just uh like ants or something like that and um there were some guys jumped on their bikes and they went to go get help because of no cell phones yeah so uh, they ended up getting a guy who came with a cell phone called 911 how far out of like close to any streets and stuff were you um not that far it was maybe like several minutes like it wasn't that far so um some guy ended up coming with a cell phone they called 911 I could hear the ambulance coming and stuff like that and I remember laying on my back and I'm like looking up and the sun is just beating down on me because it was summer yeah August 16th and then uh I'm looking up at the sun and it was just so bright and that there's guys are all standing around me I'm like I said, I see a bright light. <laughs> Don't go towards like, Don't the light. Don't go to it, man. Don't go to it. And I'm like, no, it's the sun. It's just really bright <laughs> in, in my, my eyes. eyes. Can, you, can you move over there and stand in the way of it? <laughs> so, um, Like, did you have any that. conscious thought at that point? Or was it just like, I just got to get... No. Well, I was just kind of like laying there waiting for help. And um, like, I wasn't going to get up and walk it off. <laughs> no. <or anything. laughs> Shake but, it off. All. Yeah. But so, you weren't con- like, you weren't thinking, oh my gosh, this is... No. Okay. No, this is the end. This is the no, end. No, I wasn't thinking that at all. I was just like, eh. Like the, so when the guy came with the cell phone, they had already called 911. I heard the ambulance and stuff like that. Um, and like people were looking at me like they were in shock. Yeah. And um, I think it's almost sometimes worse to see it from yeah. the person who it doesn't happen to. That's why yeah. I asked if anyone saw it because your brothers must. Oh, yeah. Still so. have PTSD about seeing you flying through the air. Maybe. <laughs> That's possible. So... We don't, we don't talk about it. <laughs> no, uh, denial. Good. But, uh, yeah, I was just like, I couldn't, um, I was just waiting to see yeah. what was happening. Like, uh, so when this guy came with a cell phone, I'm like, hey, can I, can I call home? So ended up calling home and um, I don't know how, my, I think my mom had found out about it by that time or somebody had already called her. Or I don't know how that happened, but I said that I had gotten into an accident and I broke my leg and I just remember I can hear her voice now. She's like, what, what? Just screaming on the phone. And 
I told you like, so. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, it's no big deal. Like, I'll go to the hospital. They'll fix me up and stuff like that. Like, I'll yeah. get a cast. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then, um, yeah, so her and my dad ended up coming. So they, like, jumped in the car and drove down. Um, and the ambulance was already there then. And they didn't even know how to, like, put me on the backboard because of my leg and stuff. So they ended up, like, taking my helmet, putting it under my right leg, and then tensoring it just to keep it, like... You, you look like you're going to throw up. I am. I might okay. throw up, yeah. Okay. For those of you that are queasy, <laughs> so you may like need to take a breather. wrapped my uh, knee uh, and everything around this, the, my helmet and stuff, and um, put me on the backboard. And I remember when my mom and dad got there, my, my dad was like the first one to me, and he, he went back and he told my mom not to come. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't yeah, even look. Like, don't come and look. And... Um, yeah, I, I remember just getting into the ambulance, and the ambulance got stuck. So the guys were, like, behind there pushing the ambulance Because it drove out onto yeah. the field. <laughs> yeah. So um, ended up going to Health Sciences Center, and they did a ton of x-rays. And part of it was, like, my elbow. One of my elbows was dislocated. I don't remember which one. Uh, my shoulder was dislocated. So I had... I just a lot of trauma. wasn't working. Yeah. And... And you were conscious this whole time? Yeah. Did they give you any pain meds? Yeah. They were, <laughs> I remember the ambulance driver was like, okay, um, or one of the paramedics was like, okay, we're going to give you an IV, and I hate needles. And I'm like, oh, do you have to give me an IV? And he's like, you've got other things to worry about <laughs> like, right now. This your bone is sticking outside of your yeah, leg. The, this needle is not the, the thing you need <laughs> to be focusing on right now. So I ended up getting um, an IV put in that and wasn't so bad. Um, All but, things considered, it yeah. wasn't so bad, yeah. Yeah. I remember one of the, the, the worst pain I was in was from being on a piece of, like, plywood, the backboard from the ambulance, and it wasn't cushy at all. It was, like, digging into my tailbone, and I was laying there for hours as they did, like, 30, 40 x-rays on me when I got to the hospital. So, um, I, I remember they were talking about, I don't know if they, I pa- like, I just fell asleep, passed out, they put me out. But I just remember them saying, yeah, there's like a lot of trauma to your leg. We're going to go in. We're going to cut off six inches of femur and blah, blah, blah. And, and they're like, talking okay, about this cool. to you? Yeah. Okay. Like to me and my mom and okay. dad. And it was just like, okay, like do what you got to do sort so of thing. So you weren't scared? No, I didn't. Like they didn't say, hey, we're going to have to cut off your leg or whatever, which they told my parents if I was older than they would have because of like they did cultures because when the bone came out of my leg, it got covered in mud and stuff like that. And then, um, and then they sent it away for cultures, and there's, like, obviously mud is not supposed to be within your body. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, were, they kept coming back positive for, uh, for infection. So that's so, why they had to cut the bone. Well, yeah, so they cut the bone off, and then... Uh, but just part of the part that was sticking out of your Six life? inches. I don't know if they went beyond that or exact... Like, I know they said six inches. I don't know exactly how much was sticking out or whatever. But they did cut that out, and then um, and then I had eight more surgeries when I was in the hospital. So they cut out the bone, and yeah. then what do they do? Um, cast the leg? No, no cast. So I was in traction for three months. So traction is they basically put like a, you know, like a door knocker when you go and grab someone's door knocker and you just knock on it. Basically, they put something like that through my shin. And then they attached a string to it and some pulleys. And then they just went and put weights on the pulley. 
so that basically it didn't allow my, my right leg to shrink. Because now that you don't have that bony structure in there to, to maintain the length of your leg, uh, tissues just start to shrink, right? Right. So, uh, like, all my, my leg muscles, skin, all that kind of stuff, like, if you don't support that with something... You'd be have one leg much shorter than the other. Right. So they ended up... Um, they would they put this, like, these weights, and literally, it's like weights that you would get downstairs for a workout, just plates, not bumper plates, but they use, like, just steel plates. And they just add weight continually, or...? Well, they add weight. Um, well, it's not like a, they're trying to, you know, get Make me you stronger try. and load it up a bit more. It's like, you can go heavier today. <laughs> it was more of, um, they were, like, measuring the length of my leg uh, compared to, to my left leg, and then uh, they're like, oh, it's getting a bit shorter. Let's throw some more weight on just to stretch it out more. So was it a concern that it happened when you were 16? Like, you probably weren't fully grown yet. Um... I remember there was some talk about growth plates and stuff like that, but I don't know that it was that much of a concern. concern. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I wasn't done growing then, but the, yeah, I think the major concern was like, <laughs> I didn't have part of my femur. Right, right. So then you were in traction for how long? Uh, it was three months before my final surgery. So you had all the other surgeries while you were in traction? Yeah. So basically, they were going in there to clean out the, the wound um, just because they kept doing cultures of it. And so if they were going to go and put metal in me and I had an infection still, it would spread to that metal and then they wouldn't be able to give me IV antibiotics or anything like that mm-hmm. to kill that infection. So it was, yeah, eight, eight or nine surgeries, including the final one. So um, Over the course of how long? Three months. So you were in the hospital from middle of August... Yeah. Right through fall. Yeah, November. So So what did you do during that time? Uh, did you have physio or were you lying down in traction all day, I've, every day? <laughs> it was, I had a lot of crossword physio. puzzles? Yeah. Uh, no, I had some physio. Um, basically, the physio was like, you can't do much when you're laying on your back. Like mm-hmm. That's pretty much all I was able to do. So I was uh, able to, to just have... Uh, one of those bars that you bend, it's like a coiled bar, and then you just like bend it, so it was like trying to keep some upper body strength uh-huh. up. That was pretty much it for my physio. Really? Um, yeah, and then... Um, and yeah. you were a pretty active kid, so did this like, were you bored out of your mind during this time? I don't know. I think even during that time, I just thought like, I'm not going to be like this forever. Like, this is a for now thing, and it's just like, I'm going to have to work my ass off to get better. So I was laying there just basically watching TV. I was drawing, and I suck at drawing. (laughs) So um, that's kind of where my tattoo came from. I drew, uh, it it was kind of like a a gargoyle, like a a protector. Um, So I ended up drawing that while I was in the hospital and ended up getting that tattoo after. But um, Where did that mindset come from? Like at the age of 16, and you thought, well, I'm, you know, it's not going to be forever, and I'll figure out how to get through this, and get back to where I was. I think it was, I think I've always sort of had that sort of, uh, that kind of stoicism mindset without even really knowing about it. It was just like, uh, you can't change it or you can't do anything about it right now. Like I was laying there in the hospital bed and it was just like, what, you know, what can you do? You could sit there and be frustrated, but it's just a waste of time and energy and it's not going to get you anywhere. Like, yeah, I could complain to the nurses and doctors or whatever and, say they're not working fast enough, but like the, I guess the alternative would be they could just cut off my leg and then I'd be, you know, I could get out. Good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so it was just like, hey, let's let's find things to do to to keep busy. And I remember I ended up starting a, a little like newspaper in the hospital. I still have a bunch of them, and it was called the the attraction. It was attraction. <laughs> oh, <laughs> clever! Yeah. You're so clever. And um, it was. Uh, what kind of news was there going on in the hospital? <laughs> it was there were a lot of kids that were in the hospital for like long term, um, not long term, but they've had accidents that they were going to be in there for a while. So some of the nurses uh, did some of the footwork for me because I, I couldn't, <laughs> and they ended up asking some of these kids if they wanted to write an article for it. So it was about their cool. story, yeah, like their, okay. about their story, like you know what happened with their accident or. We did like a, a top 10, um, I remember writing like a top 10 sort of thing about the best things of the hospital or the worst things or whatever. And so, yeah, I came out with some of those, uh, some interesting stories. I remember having a nurse come in and just like knocking my IV pole over. She was a, a larger nurse <laughs> and just like knocked my IV pole over onto me and in the middle of the night one night and... Um, yeah, just like different stories that uh, I had come up with and other kids were coming up with. And it was cool. Like the, they did a really good job of like putting things together. And it so was they actually like, published it for you. Yeah. And so there was like, uh, I guess, four sides to it. Like just a front page, two inside pages and a back side. And, and how many editions were there? I think we did five. So, so then did you, do you remember your time in the hospital more because you can go back and read the newspaper? I mm, I don't know. I I think it was good to have some of that stuff to like keep me occupied mm -hmm. and, and busy. Um So you didn't have to do schoolwork while you were in there? I did. Yes. So uh, it was it was during like grade 12, so I was starting my grade 12 year and um I ended up having um a teacher that came in and basically did like trigonometry and algebra and you know English and all that stuff. So my teachers at Garden City Collegiate were giving um, giving the teacher at school or at uh, the hospital the work for me to do. So you're getting tutored basically yeah, and just doing the work pretty well. So yeah, that was um, that was a way to like keep up with things so that I could still like graduate on time and all that kind of stuff and right. not miss out on half a year. Right. So. Um, I ended up having, I guess, the final surgery. Um, to They took bone from my hips. So basically, they sliced my hips open, took bone graft from my hips, and put it into my right leg to reconstruct my femur. So they added six inches back? Yeah, got, got six inches. Um, and then from there, it was putting in metal plates, rods, screws, just to kind of like give some framework to the bone that was being put in there. And... Um, yeah, I remember like waking up from from surgery and having them say like everything went really well. We're gonna do an X-ray tomorrow and see how things look. And um, I remember the the next day after surgery, they came in with the X-ray machine. It was a portable one, and they took X-rays. And like minutes later, they came back and they're like, "Yeah, the bone's already calcifying." And and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like over overnight, like it's been 24 hours since surgery and it's already starting to, to, to calcify. Yeah, it's, the human body is pretty amazing. Fascinating. So the, the thing that hurt the most about that last surgery was my hips. I remember them moving me over, so I was out of traction. 
Uh, they moved me from my OR bed to the my regular bed, and it they had like eight nurses come in, and I was like on a sheet, and it was just like covered in blood from the surgery. So they ended up lifting me. Uh, there was like four on one side, four on the other. They lifted me and slid me over onto the, the hospital, bed. hospital bed. And I was just in agony because basically like the sheet just wraps around you and it was like pressing on my hips and it killed. And uh, I just remember screaming when they did that. And I couldn't believe like my right leg felt fine. But So out of the whole hip. experience, that was the most painful yeah, thing. The hips. Yeah, And then... Um, so how long after that surgery were you in the hospital? Um, I think it was a couple weeks and it was basically like they wanted to get me to a point where I could start, uh, where I could be on crutches and be fairly stable. So the Just option, in time for winter. Yeah. The option was I get a hip spike cast where basically the cast would go just basically up to my navel. So it would cover up the junk. I don't know what would have happened <laughs> there. <laughs> And then, uh, how do bodily functions happen with that? I don't know. Okay, I probably would have needed a catheter still, oh, or yeah, whatever, right. which that wasn't fun either. But no. we'll not talk about that. No, um, and then, um, the cast would have gone right down to my ankle. And so they're like, okay, we got two options you either we put this cast on you, or you don't fall on your leg. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I will not. I promise fall. not yeah. to fall yeah. ever. It's like, I think first week I was at home, I fell, <laughs> but, um, so you didn't have a yeah. cast at all? Um, no, no cast or anything. So how do they get you back into walking after being so literally on your back for months? First, first of all, I had, to, I had to learn how to sit up again. And I was just telling someone about this yesterday. We were talking about core for some reason. And then um, I was saying how, like, we were talking about how if you, you, you don't use it, you lose it. And we do use our core pretty much everything that we do here in the gym. But and just day-to-day -day life, right? Yeah. It's just standing up straight. Yeah, and you, you take it for granted because so I was laying in a bed for three months and, you know, pretty young and active and fit. And I remember the first time sitting up in a wheelchair after that three months of being on my back and I kept falling over. Like, I kept, like, slipping. So I'd sit up and you have the, the sides of the chair and I just kept falling over. And I'm like, holy, like, what's going on here? I couldn't figure it out. You couldn't even hold your torso up. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's amazing how, like, you know, there's still a little bit of activation going on when you're sitting up, but I, I literally kept falling over, and they're like, yeah, like, you've been laying on your back. You haven't used your core. I'm like, holy crap. And um, so I remember being up in the wheelchair and, like, rolling myself around a little bit, and I only probably did about five minutes, if that, and I was like, I'm beat. Like, I need to go back to bed. So I went back to bed and slept for a couple hours. Wow. And um, so I did that, and... It, got into the wheelchair like multiple times a day just to try to uh, try to get up and, and do something. And then from there, we ended up uh, going on parallel bars. So went down to the physio room and then I had to learn how to stand up. So I was like using my upper body to try to like pull myself up onto the onto the parallel bars. And I have I have video of this, like me like trying to stand up do you remember it, though, as well? Yeah. Not even watching the video? Like, it's very vivid, the memories? Yeah. I remember my first time standing up. Like, literally, it was so fatiguing that I stood up, 
and that was it for the date. Like I went back and I slept for like two hours. And at any point in during this, were you frustrated? Did you get discouraged? No, I mean, going I being so active and then... I don't think so. It was more of like, a, you know, hey, that's progress. Like, I'm able to sit up wow. in a wheelchair now. And, hey, I stood up for the first time. And, hey, like, the next time I, I stood up for a little bit longer. And then um, it was like taking three steps where basically I'm using my arms on the parallel bars, take a few steps, and then, like, go back and sit down on the chair. And then come back again and do it later on. And it was just like progressively challenging yourself over and over again and and you know you're looking at all these little wins like I, I look at it now or I think about it now and I remember that first time standing up out of the wheelchair being so tired that it did not compare to anything that we do in the gym now we can do like crushing like 40 minute workouts or whatever and um, it did not feel like that like standing up and sitting back down like I just had to go to sleep like I was just so wrecked from that and it just you know reminds me of people as they get older if they stop doing stuff if they stop using what they have you you totally lose it um just even to for day-to-day -day life yeah 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 so um yeah you don't you don't use it and you lose it and it gives you that perspective but it's it's amazing and and I'm sure I got a lot of that stuff back quicker because I was young. Um, if, if I was, like, a lot older, um, like, maybe if I was in my 60s or something like that, it would have taken a lot longer, a lot longer to get that back. Um, but, yeah, it just... Uh, it, was a, it was an interesting process, and then, like, I would get up, and then I'd go along the parallel bars all the way, turn around, come back, and then it was like, okay, like, you're getting stronger. Um, in, the, in the videos... Uh, my right leg was so small, like literally skinny. The my thigh on the right side was the size of my calf on the left side. Like it was insane how much size like atrophy you have and, and lose. And then it was like another uh, seven months. So I ended up learning how to use crutches, had to go up like three to five stairs on crutches, turn around and come down. And then that's when I could be released from the okay, hospital. Okay, I was going to say it was there. Yeah. So yeah. That was, so I ended up doing that, and then ended and up... And when was this about? What month would that have been? Mid-November. Wow. Yeah. So So then up, you got to go home. Yeah. Ended up going home. Um, it was... It seemed... Like, looking back at it now, it seemed like it went fairly quick um, with, with everything that was happening. Like, I had a ton of support. Like, family was there all the time. Um, I remember, like, the first surgery I had like right when the accident happened I woke up in the morning in my hospital bed I was in a room all by myself and my grandpa who was like in his what 70s is standing on a chair and he's like got his arm up in the air I'm like I wake up I'm like <laughs> what the hell are you doing and he's like there's no air movement in here so he's like <laughs> feeling for like ventilation in there and then um yeah I was just like you know, we were talking, and he had brought me chocolate and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was interesting. I ended up getting a phone and calling home, and I remember my mom answered, and she was just like, you're awake. How are you doing? How are you feeling? And we're just packing up. We're coming down. And, um, yeah, it was uh, had a lot of support in the hospital. Like, my mom was there every single day for three months. She didn't, didn't miss a day. 
and um, it was pretty incredible. My dad um, was. It there becomes the new normal for the family, right? Yeah, yeah. And I remember my youngest brother. How many times did your mom say, "I told you so"? No oh, dirt biking. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. It was, yeah, I don't. I don't think she brought that up. Of course to me not. Much, but uh, yeah, she was there every single day, and um, yeah, very very lucky to have that. And my dad was there pretty much every day too, and it was away for work every once in a while, and then soccer tournaments for my brothers and stuff. But like, it was very fortunate to have family and my uncle. Um, my uncle Willie was like, he'd show up at like nine o'clock p.m. and he's like, you know, he'd bring, uh, what is it, nips from like Salisbury House mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Like he'd bring burgers, burgers, in. yeah, milkshakes in because like I was, I was losing weight. I was like down to 115 pounds in there. Wow. So, yeah, never. I'm not gonna try to get back down there again. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, a lot of family support. My girlfriend at the time, Melanie, was there quite a bit as well. She was there almost every day. And um, yeah, it was had a ton of support. It yeah, was, it affects so many people, right? Definitely. And lots of like friends coming in from school. My, my best friend, Kevin, he was there. He worked at like KFC and he would show up <laughs> with like a big, those buckets of chicken that you fill up. Yeah. He would fill that up with popcorn chicken and bring that down. Or he would fill it up completely with fries and, like, put gravy and the poutine in there. So it would be a massive... Bulk. Yeah. Bulking days. Yeah. Shout so, out, Kevin. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, it was... Uh, I remember a lot of that stuff. And, yeah, friends that I've had since kindergarten would show up and just kind of, like, you know, cheer me up and stuff like that. Yeah. It was good. It, re it really shows you who... Is kind of there to support you too, right? It, yeah. It's sad that it takes sometimes something like that. So, at what point were you kind of back to quote unquote normal? Um, I was still at home. I think I went back to school in January because I was getting tutored at home for a while because I just couldn't couldn't walk. Didn't have the yet. energy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was just too risky if I fell on my leg. So every I think it was every t two months or so I would go to the doctors and they'd be like, "Okay, cool, you can put like fifteen percent of your weight on your leg now." <laughs> it's like, okay. Cool. Uh, so just like allowing my foot to touch the ground pretty wow. much. And then, so I was on crutches. Was it painful? No, it wasn't okay. actually. Um, it was just you didn't feel like you had the strength to do it. Mm, well, I, it just like they wanted to make sure the bone was like completely like healed and supported and stuff like that before I actually went and put weight on it. So um, they, would, they would do an x-ray and be like, yeah, okay, now you can put 25% of your weight on it. Now I can put 50% of your weight on it. And then uh, and um, I remember when I was putting more and more weight on it, I, uh, my leg was getting really sore because those muscles hadn't been used for like, I was on crutches for seven months and then I was in the hospital for three. So like literally almost a year of not using that leg and now my, my feet were killing me and my calf and my thighs and I'm like, like what's going on? And mm -hmm. they said, like, you atrophied so badly and then now you're you're trying to, you know, build it back up and, and you're loading again. So yeah, you're gonna have that discomfort and that it was like severe DOMS for like nonstop. And I was going to physio during that time to keep like get more range of motion in my knee and had a wicked physiotherapist who was never happy enough with the, the range of motion I had. And I remember one time she like gave me a rag and I'm like, what do I do with this? And she's like, you're gonna bite on that. And I'm like, what? And you know, kind of like bite the pillow. Uh, but she gave me a rag <laughs> and I'm like laying face down and she's like 
cranking on my leg to get like bending more your range knee? of motion. Yeah, to bend my knee more. And um, I was like tearing up, biting on this reg. And she's like, if we don't do this now, like you might it's not gonna get be worse. this back. Yeah. 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 So um, I was very fortunate to have someone like her rather than a very passive therapist who would be like, you know, just okay, like here's what we're It hurts. At. We're not yeah. going to do anything that hurts. Exactly. So yeah, I was very fortunate to have someone like that. So then after that, when you got quote unquote back to normal, were you thinking, well, maybe I'm going to stop doing these risky activities or hobbies or? Um, well, while I was in the hospital <laughs> watching TV, I saw an Ironman uh, event on TV and I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I want to do that. And I saw like kickboxing on TV. I'm like, okay, I want to do that. So I had some goals set, which was kind of cool. Like, you know, it wasn't going to be like, I'll get there right away, but I would eventually get there sort of thing. So once you got your health back, you thought, I'm going to do all of these things and not take my body for granted at what it can do exactly. when it's healthy. Yeah. So when did you actually get started back into activity? And um, Well, I was, uh, I would have to say it was over a year after the accident because at the year mark, so a year after it had happened, I had another surgery to go back in and pull the metal out from my leg. Permanently? So they, so they ended up cutting it open and taking all the metal out that they could um, because basically some of the bone grafted around the metal and they're like, it's just more damaging to go in there and try to pull it out than it is to um, to leave it. So So I, did your bone regenerate or just... Yeah. 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 Wow. When you get the graft and it uh, lays down osteoblast and basically just re like strengthens itself. So just like when you do like strength training and stuff like that, you're loading it and, and the bone just becomes stronger. Wow. So, um, but yeah, they ended up taking bone out and then it was like back on crutches for a while again. And then um, I can't remember how long I was on crutches after that, but it was just like, I just remember having my leg sliced open again. And so that was the second time they had gone in through that right, like basically the IT band on that right side and and um, took everything yeah, out pulled all the metal out but they left a couple screws in there because they couldn't get them so I do have a couple screws loose <laughs> oh so clever yeah. so then you took back up to being really active yeah um, I think you'd graduated from high school at this point yeah graduated from high school I was working at Safeway and just wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do at the time and then, um, did this, this accident change kind of what you thought about what you wanted to do in your life or, um, I don't, well, I, it, it did because when I was at home being tutored before going back to school, um, before I was like more comfortable getting on crutches and being around a lot of people and stuff like that, I didn't like initially didn't want to get knocked over or anything. So, um, yeah, stayed at home, and there was a, a guy named Dean, Dean Melvy, who came and tutored me at home, and he worked at the Wellness Institute, and he ended up, like, giving me some free passes there, and so Kevin and I ended up going and, and checking it out while I was still on crutches. KFC Kevin? Yeah, KFC Kevin. Actually, KFC and Olympic rower Kevin. He's so, an Olympic rower as well. Yes, he is. Mm, yeah. Awesome. But not when he was KFC Kevin. No, no, no. those two don't really no. go together. <laughs> um. But um, so you went yeah, to the wellness, loved it. Yeah, went to the wellness, and um, 
Yeah, I used some passes there, and he had he had mentioned to me that they were hiring at some point, and I should drop off a resume. So I did, and I went in, and I got an interview, and it was Dean and Karen that I interviewed with, and um, I remember getting a call back, and Dean said he was like fighting to to get me in there. So what kind of job was it? Um, it was a towel boy. So, yep. <laughs> oh, you're going to hear about this forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, boy Paul. Yeah. So, worked at the locker desk down there. Um, and so, they weren't going to hire me because I wasn't outgoing enough. Oh, then, yes. interesting. So, Dean was like, no, he's like, he's a good kid. He'll like, you know, he'll, he'll be a good fit and stuff like that. So, they took a chance on me and, uh, and ended up, yeah, giving me a job. And So, how long were you a towel boy? Um... I don't, I don't know the exact amount of time, but started off like working at the locker desk there, and then was doing like birthday parties for kids, and then I was getting into, I was doing competitive kickboxing at the time, so I ended up like picking up some clients for another trainer that wanted to do kickboxing and stuff. So he sort of like, you know, liked, you know, the way I was training and stuff, and he kind of passed some clients on to me because he was moving to Vancouver. And, um, did you have any certs at this point? You were teaching what you knew. Yeah. Teaching what I knew basically. And then, um, and then that's when I started going into, I went into kinesiology at U of W and, and AT. Um, and then I was just picking up more and more like jobs at the wellness. So it was like doing room setups. I was like doing birthday parties. I got away from the locker desk, got hired at the front desk. So I worked at the front desk for Quite a while. I was doing like a 5.30 a.m. opening shift. Um, and then started teaching some classes. I went and got my, uh, uh, what is it, uh, CSEP. CSEP. Um, so you just loved it. Yeah. You loved being a part of that yeah. wellness CPT, community. Yeah, that's what I got. So mm-hmm. certified personal trainer through Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology. So started working, teaching classes there. Um, through the Manitoba Fitness Council, I was doing like a sport conditioning class. I was teaching kickboxing. I did kids kickboxing. Um, a lot of personal training. Then I got a job as a wellness consultant there. So then I was like working with people, basically like walking around the gym and like, hey, you're doing that wrong. Can I give you a suggestion? Um, some people would be really yeah, receptive to some it. Some people Others love that. Like, no, I've been doing it like this for 20 years. I'm like, exactly. All right, that's fine. Um, and then... Uh, what else was doing like executive medicals on people and then stress tests on people who had um, like heart attacks and stuff like that. And so and it, it was cool. I got to do a lot of different things there. So And became a bit more outgoing. Yeah, became, uh, I think so, a little bit. I and mean, you have to be if you're going up to people and yeah, suggesting definitely, definitely. corrections. Yeah, so you get, yeah, you got to be, I, yeah, just, I guess, became a, a byproduct of it and you know it was uh it was a, a fun place to work i you know made a lot of friends there still see a lot of members out in the community and remember their names and it's uh it was a a great place to kind of start out in the, i guess the fitness industry and did you see that as your future career forever and ever i didn't um or do you didn't really think about it yeah at the time i didn't I didn't really know. I think I kind of got into it a little bit more when I was doing like the group classes and I just loved how everyone fed off of each other and the energy in the room. Like there was a class I was teaching called Tough Enough and we'd have 
the biggest class we had was 83 people in a 3,000 square foot room. And what were you doing with 83 people? Body weight stuff. Wow. <laughs> like we yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't, like, I'd take them out. What time the of day was this? This was evening, 7.30. Wow. And um, we would go out onto the bleachers, and we'd be doing plyometrics. We'd be doing, like, shuttle runs on the... All ages? All yeah. fitness levels? Yeah. Wow. It was really cool. So I had training clients that would show up to that one. Um, people of all, yeah, different ages and abilities. And it was just, I think it was a class that people just wanted to go to because it was so much fun. It was different than, it wasn't a step class. It wasn't, you know, anything like that. Um, and it was challenging and fun. And I remember we would do like lunges all the way around the track. So the track was like one tenth of a mile long. And we would do like, you know, a full length of lunges around the track. We would, I had one of our, our, um, clients, Lori, who comes here now, she uh, she brought in, like, a ton of potato sacks, and I had people doing, like, laps of p- potato sack, like, jumps around the track. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, you do You should bring that back. And it's, like, you know, it's fun when you do a potato sack race at a, you know, a work event or whatever in summer, but when you have to do it for, like, five minutes straight, it is freaking horrible. I feel like you should bring but, that back. Maybe a <laughs> holiday workout. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, you're giving me ideas, but anyways, don't blame me, <laughs> Starkers. It was, uh, it was an interesting, interesting time. Cause I, that's when I started doing more boot camps outside. I worked with teams in community centers. I was working with more people in their homes. Um, and during that time too, I actually was going through, what was it? I was going through the application process for police and RCMP. So I was kind of like, you know, that's that's sort of where I was headed and you know, just wanted to go and try because I knew guys that went to high, I went to high school with that became like police and RCMP and they were known as guys who used like drugs and stuff <laughs> like that. I'm like, hey, if they can get in, yeah, I, I, can, I, get I in. can get in. And, um, and I was, so ended up going. Um, so were you still doing kinesiology at this point? Yes. Okay. So I was still doing kinesiology. Uh, Lori and I had gone on a trip. Um, so my wife, Lori, and I, we weren't married then, but we went on a trip to, uh, I was going to say Canmore. It wasn't Canmore. No, it was... Somewhere uh, west. Kenora. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, not even west. <laughs> we went to Kenora, and uh, we, we did a, a camping trip out there, and then we went rock climbing, and we hired... Um, I won't name the name of the business, but we hired, uh, we stayed at this place and they did like adventure trips and stuff like that. So we hired them to take us rock climbing. and Belay? Yeah. Okay. So rock climbing. Not free solo. No, no. So so this woman was belaying for, for me while I was climbing and she was like talking to Lori and some other people down below and wasn't really paying attention and I slipped and fell. And How I high up were you? Fell about uh, thirty feet or so. It was so it was a cliff. It was about a hundred foot cliff. Wow! And then we ended up slipping, or I slipped. I fell about fifteen feet. Um, she got tension on the line, and I did a back bridge. And so, so you were still in the up, air. Yeah, ended up doing a back bridge, and a harness goes around your waist and between the legs. So I ended up cracking two vertebrae in my back, my L4 and L5, and then herniated discs between L4, L5, L5, S1. And so for people that don't know where those are, l- upper, lower, lower, back. Okay, lower, lower back. back. 
And then I swung into a rock face, and even though I was wearing a helmet, this perfect little piece of rock is sticking out that got me right below the helmet. Uh, so it hit my cervical spine, and I broke spinous process off C5 and C6. So, so this is your second life? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, down two lives now. And um, So did you get taken off the... No, the rock like, face? No, I got lowered and I was, you know, I was sore. I was in pain. Like, you know, you, when you're used to playing sports and doing stuff, you're used to getting injured here and there. And then it's just like, I, um, yeah, I just didn't really think much of it. And I didn't know what had You didn't climb more after that? No, no, we were, we were done. And we, uh, we actually ended up going back to the campsite. We, we went for a run that night. <laughs> Of course he did. Yeah. And then and slept on the ground. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> and it was like three days later. So we had come back to the city. I went back to work. Three days later is where most of the swelling and inflammation had set in. And I'm like, I can't even shoulder check. Like someone would talk to me and I'd have to like. Turn your whole body. In a chair like this and just spin. And so I had to turn around completely. And I'm like, I like can't bend down to pick things up. I can't look over my shoulder. I should probably go to the hospital and get this checked out. So on my break, I went <laughs> and got an x-ray and all the doctors are like standing around the, uh, the x-ray board and they're like, this is amazing. <laughs> now you're like, even what? functioning. Yeah. And they're like, you broke your neck and your back. And I'm like, what? And they're like, but you broke it in a way that there's nothing we can really do for you. I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? And they're like, well, no axial loading. So I couldn't lift, like I couldn't do back squats. I couldn't. You know, I shouldn't do goblet squats or any anything like that. And then, um, yeah, I just, uh, like, I, I couldn't do anything. And I had severe sciatic pain. It was going down my left leg. So the back of my left leg would feel like either someone was holding my leg over fire or I had thousands of pins and needles under uh, being jammed into my leg. Is this constant pain or comes and goes? Uh, comes and goes worse when I'm seated. So, and you were um, working and going to school. Yeah. yeah. So with this, um, or it felt like, like electric shocks going all the way down my leg into my calf and stuff. So seated was worse. So if I was standing or laying down on my back or stomach, I was fine. And I remember going through lectures. I'd be standing up at the back of the class going through lectures just because seating, being seated, like, I couldn't think. Like, I couldn't hear what so someone was saying. It was just, I remember seeing my profs, like, their mouths would be moving, and I just couldn't hear or understand anything they were saying because that pain was just so unbelievable. And if anyone out there has had nerve pain, like, you, you know what I mean. Like, I wanted to run my head through a, a window so that I could not focus on my back and my leg. Wow. And, um, and, there, and the doctor said nothing we can do. No, I was, uh, I got a prescription for Viox, which was not Viagra, but Viox. <laughs> and, um, big so, difference. Yeah. It was a, it was an awesome, like painkiller. I'd take that and it basically like, I didn't have any pain and then it ended up getting taken off the market because certain people were having heart attacks on it, but they were like Minor detail. older, yeah, older people. And then I ended up, um, so they gave me like Celebrex and other stuff and it just did nothing to like mask the pain. So I would take, I would take the Vioxx to sleep, but I wouldn't take it for working out because... You were still working out. Yeah. 
So I was, I was, so I think, and that's where I've, I learned like everything needs to be done perfectly. Um, like core engagement, like perfect squat to pick stuff up off the ground. Um, because I just couldn't round my back at all. Like I had to be so careful with everything I did. I kept track of all my workouts. I would write down what I did, if I was feeling good, if I was hurting afterwards, did I try something new? Um, and it was just like sometimes like two steps forward, five steps back. And you know, the pain would, would tell me if I did something wrong or not. So I wasn't taking meds to work out. I would take them to sleep and then, you know, I would do my workout and then track progress and just like, hey, I went heavier on this or, you know, a few days later, my back's still good, like I'm headed in the right direction. Um, so I went for like physio, acupuncture, dry needling, massage, um, chiropractic, everything to, to figure out what was going on to get, to try to recover and get better. And none of it was working except uh, athletic therapy because it was a more active approach to recovery. So I was learning how to turn on my abdominals more. I was doing more core work and stuff like that. And I would be doing core work three times a day, holding like planks and bridges for minutes at a time. And that made such a huge difference because your core is just constantly lit up and, and supporting that spine. And um, I think that is what helped me the most. That and just time away from like compressing the spine and the, the discs and stuff like that that were pushing on nerves. So it took like two years to get back to 100% where I could do pretty much whatever I wanted and Not feel pain. wouldn't suffer from it, yeah. Do you still so, feel it today? Like, does it ever come back, that pain? Mm, if I go heavy on deadlifts, um, I'll feel it right in that spot that uh, that I had fractured in that my lower back, and then I'm just like, no, nope, I'm done for the day. And yeah, sometimes you don't have to it, prove anything to anyone. I think it's more about longevity and just doing it properly and, and, you know, getting a good workout out of it. And I feel like you take that into Stark and what you teach here. I do. Definitely. I think it's something that um, anytime I've, I've worked with like our coaches, people to become coaches, it's just something that I've, I've shared with them and something that I want them to be able to use and give to our members as well. Um, not everyone can do everything perfectly right off the bat, but there's always variations that can be given to people so that they can do things the, the best way they possibly can with where they're at right now. And it doesn't mean that they're going to be stuck there forever, but, you know, it, it might be just that that's what you need to be doing right now for, for your body. And down the road, you can maybe, you know, push a bit more, lift a bit more, go a little faster sort of thing. But um, I think right off the bat, mechanics and, and patience uh, and consistency is the, the very first thing that people need to focus on. So, so that they can do it right during workouts. Yeah. And not get injured. Yeah. No, it, and... Like, a lot of stuff that is a bit more technical, like, you have to practice it. Like, just you today, working on your five kipping muscle-ups in a row. Um, like, we didn't spend a ton of time on it, but we went over some technique. We I'm a quick learner, to, though. Yeah. We <laughs> got you to reinforce some of those movement patterns. They look good. It's something that your body's not used to just yet, so you don't throw a ton of volume at it and then, you know, potentially get injured from it or, um, you know, just build bad mechanics with the movement you just want to take your time absorb it a bit and the next time you come in and work on you know kipping pull-ups it's it's going to be better and you're not going to you're not going to damage anything by doing it if you take like a, a couple days off from that movement which is pretty dynamic you'll 
you'll be fine. I know people that have tried learning a movement and they do it every single day. Like they'll try muscle ups and they try every single day and they just blow their shoulders up or they want to do butterfly pull ups and they try every single day. And when you're practicing, you're not always in perfect positions. So since it is such a dynamic movement, um, you know, you might put a little extra stress on the joint in, in areas that you don't want to, but it's, uh, if you're practicing and you're keeping the volume low and you're doing it without a lot of uh, speed, it you'll adapt to it and you'll you'll be fine. But if you end up, you know, doing it way too quick, um, being impatient with it and just like trying to, you know, do it as fast as possible, chance for injury is way higher. Right, and I think you know your two experiences having to be patient while your body healed probably give you a perspective that some people don't have. Yeah. They just want to progress fast, and I think that's what you know you bring to them. So after this second um, experience with your injury, yeah, um, did you change direction in your career? Did you decide to just go into personal training? Mm, I did. I, um, you know, since I was in so much pain, I couldn't sit because uh, of the back injury. I ended up, uh, I ended up pulling out of my. Uh, police and RCMP interviews because I, I said like I can't I can't even sit through an interview and I wouldn't be able to sit in a cruiser car or anything like that for any length of time right now um, and I kind of I love the fact that I was able to kind of make my own schedule I was having fun with what I was doing I was helping people um, and and yeah I was just loving what I was doing so I thought you know it's always it's always an option down the road sort of thing if I choose to go in that direction but as of now it was more like I'm having fun with this, and uh, yeah, let's let's see where it goes. And then, like I mentioned, I was working with teams. I was renting out community centers. I was working with people in home, and then I just kind of thought, you know what? Like, I think I should probably open up my own place, and this way, I'm not dragging kettlebells out of the truck at minus forty into a community center. So Builds character, Paul. Yeah, exactly. So my clients can swing frozen kettlebells. <laughs> at 6 o'clock in the morning at Bronx Park Community Center. Um, <laughs> Do your hands stick to kettlebells when they're frozen? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's no, just your tongue. Don't, yeah, don't put your tongue to it. Okay. So Mental note. Yeah, so I was like renting out spaces, and it's just like looking at the cost of that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe if I get my own space, I can run classes at times that I want. I can have the equipment I want available. I'm not going to have to lug it in and out of the vehicle. Um, and um, You just get yeah. to a point where growth makes sense. Yeah, and it was, you know, you keep asking yourself... And I, I don't know, I do this check like every every year or so, and it's just like, is there anything else I'd rather be doing? And then if the answer is no, it's like, okay, you keep going, you dive in deeper. And, um, you know, that, that kept happening. I was at the old gym, and we were like outgrowing so, so it. So that was Stark 1.0? Yeah, so we, ended up, so we ended up getting Stark 1.0. It was like a small little like pick-a-pop store, um, and it was like 1,800 square feet, which is smaller than what our mezzanine is up here in the new space. Um, I, I say new, but it's like two and a half years old, almost three. But uh, How long ago did you start 1.0? Uh, it was almost eight years now. Wow. So we were there for five years. We were outgrowing it. Um, and you were doing what there? Training, personal training classes? Yeah, we were doing personal training. We were doing CrossFit. We were doing... Uh, were you actually a CrossFit box there? We were. For the first year, we weren't. Um, we ended up becoming an affiliate after. So we had gone and done, Lori had gone, and I had gone and done our CrossFit Level 1 before even opening that gym. And it was something I wanted to do, 
but I didn't want to jump into it right away. I'm like, you know what? It's it's a lot to try to do everything at once. So I wanted to just like open the gym and run it first. And so we were doing that, and then we ended up um, we ended up becoming an affiliate a year in, and then our workouts kind of shifted to include a lot more barbell work. And, and was this when CrossFit was really new still? It wasn't really new. Or it new in Winnipeg. Growing. It was still growing in the city. There were a couple, like three, four, I don't know how many boxes that were around. It wasn't as many as now, but um, it was still growing in the city. And it was, yeah, it was still pretty fresh. Like, you know, people were coming to it. They were excited about it. Um, what attracted you to CrossFit? Because you'd been doing a lot of other things in your own training and training other people. Yeah, like I... A lot of the stuff that I had learned was CrossFit before I even knew what CrossFit was. So using kettlebells and barbells and Olympic lifting and all that kind of stuff, it was uh, it was stuff that I was doing and ended up hearing. I don't remember exactly where I heard about it. And I looked up some videos. I'm like, hey, cool. This I is already like, do that. Yeah, this is like stuff that we already do. And um, so we started like including more and more barbell workouts in our, our uh in our workouts, daily workouts, and um, I know some people didn't didn't like that. So some people that are like, you know, they don't want to worry about as much technique because um, it's hard. Yeah, when and it takes barbell, time. Yeah, you want you want a nice looking snatch. You got to spend time <laughs> exactly. on it. Exactly. Uh, clean and jerks. Like you know, the heavier it gets, the the better movement patterns you have to have. Otherwise, you end up getting injured. So we started doing like more and more barbell workouts and some members didn't like that. There were, it was mostly like, you know, female members that were just like, no, I like the boot camp style workouts a little bit more. Um, they just weren't falling in love with it. They, there is a point where when you start and you're using the barbell um, for workouts, especially when it's Olympic lifts, like you have to go lighter. So you're not gonna get as much of a workout out of it. You're not going to get as much of a burn as if you're doing something a little or perceived lower. burn. Yeah, a little lower skill level. So say, say we had someone doing like double kettlebell snatches instead of barbell snatches. Way easier to to learn that movement. Or you know dumbbell. Um, so if you do double snatches or a single snatch with a dumbbell or something like that, that's way easier to learn. You can teach someone in like five minutes how to do that. Barbell snatches, like you could be stuck with an empty bar for months. Jill's putting up her hand mm-hmm. for months before. So like, much technique. You, yeah, before you start throwing weight on the bar. And even then, like, you shouldn't be using it for workouts because, you know, if you're getting tired, going back to the whole practice thing, like, if you're getting tired and you're getting sloppy, that's not going to make your snatch look any better. So That's what she said. Yeah. So you definitely have to, you know, pay attention to that, take that time. And I definitely think, like, CrossFit's geared more towards people who are wanting to take time to learn things, um, who are, who like the challenge of a movement that they don't get right off the bat, uh, and that are okay with, with progression over time and not getting that instant satisfaction of like hitting a movement the, you know, first three minutes they try it. Right. And you may have to scale for the first period of time until you actually learn the movement. And that's not a bad word. No. No. Like, yeah, it's okay to scale. It's okay to use different movements and and, um, and it's such a good feeling when you actually pick up the barbell and can put weight on it when yeah. you actually know the movement. No, 
It is it is cool. We we've always given like modifications to people. Like if you don't want to use the barbell or can't or don't have the mobility, we're not going to force you to do it. So we always give different variations with dumbbells and kettlebells. And we actually had some people leave the gym because um, we did use a lot of dumbbells and kettlebells, and they're like, "Oh, this isn't CrossFit." And it's like, "Well, yeah." Years later, all they had in the open was dumbbells. So um, it's I I just love the fact that. There's so much variety to it. That's that's the best part and the worst part about CrossFit, that there's so much variety to it. You'll never get bored. You can always, like, learn something new and use different tools, uh, combinations of movements and, and implements, whether it's kettlebells, dumbbells, you know, your pull-up bars, barbells, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the downside to it, too, is that there's so many movements. So to get good at everything takes time. And for people who don't want to wait to get good at things, like, they, they usually get frustrated very quick with it. Right. And, um, yeah, it's not the, it's not something you're going to get in a week or a month or three months. Like, or be really good at it. Yeah, it takes time. So So then you had Stark 1.0, and yeah. two and a half years ago, you decided to expand. Yeah, we, so we were coming to the end of the lease in the old gym, and... Um, in the pick-a-pop shop. Yeah, in the pick-a-pop shop. And I was, like, asking myself, okay, like, we need a bigger space. Um, all the spaces that I could find that were a little bit bigger were a lot more money because they were, like, um, commercial, what, no, retail spaces, mm-hmm. um, not, like, industrial. And so I ended up finding this space, and um, they basically built this building for us and for Kipps Gymnastics next door. So we got to work with Ridgemark Builders. It was awesome working with them. Um, literally everything that I kind of like came up with and dreamt of, like they were able to like build and and had the architects draw it up, and it was it was a really cool process to to go through. Uh, stressful at the same time because it's like okay, it's like we're tripling the Big size investment. of our space. Yeah, I need more equipment. We need more members. Like you know all that stuff and. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I kept asking myself, like, holy shit, like, is this something that you want to do? And my answer to myself was always just, like, there's nothing else I'd rather do. And two and a half years later. Two and a half years later. Still loving it. There's still nothing else I'd rather be doing. Um, I do love coming into work every day, coaching. Um, the business management side of things is, like, a, a huge change. Like, I've had to keep reminding myself that I need to be you know, an owner, CEO, like whatever it is to, to grow the business and not just be working in it and coaching and stuff like that, even though that's primarily why I got into it. But I know that, you know, there's no one else that's going to, to do it. And I need to, I need to make, you know, take that step and, and be the one doing that. And it's taken a while to really like, you know, push myself into that sort of role and, come to that realization and, you know, work to putting, putting together, a, you know, a staff training manual, um, or basically our playbook, and then making sure the right people are in the right places and having the right coaches who are motivating and, and want to be here and want to, you know, coach members and help them to become their best rather than just like someone who comes in and checks boxes and just like, you know, yeah, good workout, just like a cheerleader sort of thing. Right. So you will have to apply that patience you learn during your recovery to the business side of it. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's totally, it's, it's different. It's a, I don't know, I'd have to say it's different than, than what I sort of expected in the beginning. 
um, definitely a lot of challenges and uh, and it's different not being part of a franchise like the the name CrossFit sort of thing like some people like it some people don't um, and I think there's there's great ways of doing it and there's bad ways of doing it uh, just like you know like some, most things in life yeah exactly but um, you know you go to a Tim Hortons restaurant and like everything's the same on the menu service is pretty well the same everywhere you go like there's there's a consistent structure to it when it comes to CrossFit gyms like there's there's not every place is going to be different um maybe standards for coaching from the owners is different maybe like they just you know some places might just get members with their level one to to coach and they don't have any extra training or anything like that but um yeah it's it's interesting because you don't get like a, a manual of like what to do and stuff like that so you know and uh, you create some financial forecasts and stuff like that prior to opening up and then I'm like looking at it and I'm like nope things aren't going exactly <laughs> as planned <laughs> so it's like most of life really exactly so it's been um yeah it's been a an amazing learning experience and um yeah there's I still have a lot of plans and a lot of different things that I would love to do and love to incorporate and I know it's just uh it's just going to be time before we can get there so so what's kind of the goal of Stark I want people to become the best versions of themselves. I'm, I'm loving looking back at pictures of people from five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and like seeing what they looked like then and seeing progress and having them look younger and fitter and more badass now than they did like 15 years ago. Even even a year ago. Yeah, even a year ago. It's um, We were talking about one of the members that was in my class this morning. Yeah makes significant differences in a year. Yeah, Rob like has dropped over 100 pounds in a year now and it's been amazing to see like him coming in and just crushing it like 6 days a week. And that's like being that consistent and that dedicated to the process is what's going to get you to where you want to be. And he's so positive and encouraging yeah. and Yeah, he's such an awesome funny. guy to have around. And um and then, like, you know, seeing members like Irene, who was in your class as well, she was just, like, killing it. Was she? In? No. No, she was in 930. Yeah. And, like, just, like, I remember pictures from when she started and stuff like that. And, uh, like, progress photos tell so much. And even we posted a picture of Derek online yesterday. He had uh, showed me a picture of what he had looked like several years ago before starting CrossFit. And I was like, holy crap. And his wife just went and signed him up for it. Uh, for base camp at the old gym and he just started coming and uh, and he's someone who puts in a lot of effort and consistency and wants to make sure that he's doing the best he can whenever he's here so he's got like three little girls at home and a wife and he just like you know puts a lot of effort into it he doesn't come in make excuses or anything like that it's just like head down eyes forward and like charges through Good, and, and I think you've built that kind of mindset here with the members, and I think I read something, maybe it was in the last newsletter, where you talked about, you don't know how you get such great people, yeah. but it's probably the membership that's already here that brings in like people or like-minded people. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's like, you know, I've heard the the quote, like, nothing creates a crowd like a crowd, and I think 
I, I'm always amazed at the people that we get in here because I'm like, man, you just fit. Like, it's like puzzle pieces and you're just like, you know, adding people to this like huge puzzle and it just, it fits. And every once in a while you get someone who just doesn't um, and they don't usually stick around for that long. It's like... You they know, don't get your sense of humor? No, not that. They just don't <laughs> want to... They don't Put want in the to, work? Yeah, like they don't want to get coached or, you know, initially they want to, but it's like, well, like I don't, like I'd rather just kind of put my headphones on and do it my own way or whatever. And it's like, I've already been doing this on my own. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, what are you here for then? Like what, and usually we'll sit down and do like a, a an intro with people and see kind of where they're at and where their heads are at. And I think during that point, I can get a really good idea of like, okay, this person's going to be awesome or like, hmm let's see how long this lasts sort of thing. So, but for most people that come in, I'm like, man, how do we get such amazing people? So it's pretty cool. And I think if, if you build it, they will come, Paul. That's what they say. So I, I think it comes a lot from what you're building here. So I think you need to yeah. take some credit for it. No, I, yeah, I used to think like, and, and people would say that if you build it, they will come. I'm <laughs> like, no, you still have to like work your ass off to like, you know, show that. But that's you're part there of building it. That. Yeah, no, for sure. If you build the community, if you build the mindset, if you build, you know, the yeah. encouraging environment, I think that's what keeps people here. No, for sure. I agree. Good. Okay. Well, I think we've talked a lot already. We have. Yeah. Um, but I have a lightning round that lightning I want to do. So. Don't think about your answers. Just answer. Okay. Are you ready for this? Ready for it. Texting or talking? I'd rather talk to people than text. Uh, okay. Nickname? Dick. <laughs> Last song you downloaded? Don't uh, think. Don't think. I don't even remember. It was, uh, I don't know. I probably Shazam something, but. Uh, was yeah. it the Biebs? It wasn't Biebs. No. Okay. No, it wasn't. If you could have a superpower, what would you choose? Mm. Too much thinking. Question. Yeah, <laughs> superpower. Um, man, I don't know. Come back to me. On that one. Okay, I'll come back. Yeah. What's your ideal outside temperature? Mm, Twenty-four. Oh. Ask permission. Beg forgiveness. Mm, beg for forgiveness. Good. Good answer. <laughs> Climb a mountain or jump out of a plane. Climb a mountain. Favorite lift. Uh, snatch. Of course. How many times a day do you swear? Lots. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's in the hundreds? Uh, I don't know if it's in the hundreds, but it's probably like 50, I would say. Okay. I don't know. How would you rate your karaoke scales? Scale of one to Mariah Carey. Is Mariah Carey good? <laughs> good question. <laughs> yes, let's assume she's on the good end. Okay. I don't know. Probably a five. I don't know. I, I, I heard you um, singing something from Frozen, I think, on one of your... Yeah. Latest video. So you have to rate it then. I don't know. I'd say 2.5 maybe. Okay. okay. <laughs> maybe that octave was too high for you. Okay. Okay. What's the most boring thing ever? Mm, boring thing ever. Sitting by myself, like alone, not doing anything, not reading, not whatever. So no meditation for you? No. Okay. Got to get better at it. Okay. What personality trait do you wish you had? Or had more, you know, were stronger at? Um... Being more A-type. <laughs> <laughs> Spend more time with me. Yeah. What is the most useless talent you have? Most useless talent? I don't even know. Really? You don't have any, like, bring it out at a party game kind no. of things? Oh. No. I can stick my fist in my mouth. Okay. Guilty pleasure. Um, I don't even know. I'd have to say ice cream. 
Oh, good one. Okay, back to superpower. Last one. Back to superpower. Um, Leap tall buildings, invisibility. Mm, I don't know. I just maybe be stronger. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay. Be stronger. That's well, it. Hang out at Stark and you're, uh, you'll get there. Yeah. Okay, so where can people find you? Because I know you just started a new Instagram, so. Yeah, I... Yeah, so... Tell me about that, Paul quickly. Paul Dick Unplugged, at Paul Dick Unplugged. And what are you so, doing there? So there I'm trying to create a little bit more content that isn't directly associated to the gym because there's certain things that I may say on there that, you know, you know, it's not my... I guess it wouldn't be something that I want directly associated with the gym, but sometimes you end up, you know, having thoughts or having things that you believe um i think it's just a bit more personal yeah i would have to say that so yeah. it's it's still like health and fitness related training related exercise related um i wouldn't say like a personal like family wise sort no. of thing but yeah personal just, i mean your journey to yeah. get cheesy but yeah and it's yeah it's stuff that i've posted stuff about like you know not feeling like training and some days you feel like shit and you don't feel like doing anything and you know, it's, I think it's important to post about that because I had so many comments come back to me and people are like, what? Like, you're a gym owner. You don't feel like working out sometimes? And I'm like, yeah, like, and that's okay. And, you know, some days that's you life. just have to dial it back. And um, so, yeah, I'm trying to put some more of that stuff out there. Um, and, you know, it's a place where I can go and drop some F-bombs and stuff like that and not have to censor it because it's not, like, directly associated with the gym. But... Um, yeah, if people are wanting to follow that, uh, you know, a bit more personally. If you want to know more about the dick. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Any last words of wisdom? Any last words of wisdom? No, I just, um, yeah, I just, I just want people to, you know, if they're coming here to the gym, I want them to just like do the best they can every time they come. And that doesn't mean like, you know, working out as hard as possible. It's just come you know, enjoy the experience, enjoy using your body and what it can do. And the more you do that, the, the better it's going to be, the better off you're going to be. Um, you know, I, I keep seeing people as they age, whether it's family and friends and just, just um, people I've worked with in the past who have like stopped exercising and then I run into them. I see what they look like and what, how they move and you know, how old they look. And it's exponentially higher than people that I've seen stay active. And it doesn't have to be CrossFit, but people that have stayed active, you know, for the past two decades that I've known them. And it's amazing when you look at someone, you're like, I don't believe you're 40 or I don't believe you're 50 or 60 or whatever. A lot of members here like that. Yeah. And, um, and it's because they've been playing the long game and they've been consistent. They haven't been up and down. They haven't been like, oh, you know, how much weight can I lose this month? And just focusing on that. It's like they focus on coming in, doing the best they can every time. Longevity. They and, like, that's that's what's going to get you winning in life rather than, you know, what can I do now that's going to get me the most I can right now. Good. Cool. Thanks. Right. Thanks for telling part of your story. We may have to do a two, Dick 2.0 at some point. Dick 2.0. That's Chris. Chris Dick. <laughs> so... All right. I've never met Chris. Okay. Just know the one dick. He was the second <laughs> dick to join here. But anyways, right. cool. Thanks for all your questions, Jill. And hopefully you guys enjoyed this and makes you a little bit better than yesterday. Thank you for making the time to listen to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Stark Strength and Conditioning. 
If you liked our show, please head over to the iTunes store and give us a rating. If you have any questions or suggestions about topics you'd like to hear us cover or people you think should be on this show, please let us know so we can make it happen. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that this podcast makes you better than yesterday.